All right. Well, I'm going to just try to go as far as I can today. I'm going to try to pack all of this material into three weeks, what I would normally uh, teach and use with my uh, disciple over the course of 12 weeks. So uh, it may be at times sort of fast and furious, but always know that if there's something that you uh, need to ask me questions about, I'm always available. So uh, you can call, and I'd be glad to talk with you or uh, go through any of this, you know, one-on-one with you if you'd like me to. All right. Well, I just want to start by saying that I know that there are many of you that are in this room today who are already mentoring. You're already discipling other women, and that is such a blessing. That is a blessing to you as individuals, but it's also a blessing to our church body. But most of all, it's a blessing to the kingdom of God. And so thank you for your interest in, uh, your, and your commitment to discipling and mentoring other women. Uh, the Bible emphasizes the fact that all believers are to make disciples This is the Great Commission. It is what we should be doing. And the scripture is very clear. And it gives us a clear example in regard to how to go about discipleship. How do I do this? What does it look like? In Titus chapter 2, Paul instructs the older women to teach the younger women and to teach them what is good. And we're going to talk about, over the course of the next three weeks, what is good. What is it that they're going to teach? Uh, I will say, though, that this pattern of discipleship that Paul has laid out in Titus chapter 2 implies that we have to invest some time and that we have to make a commitment into the lives of other people. And the reality is that we live in a very low commitment Low expectation world. And that makes it even more difficult uh, to disciple. However, you know, uh, we still can do this. Uh, We live in a digital world. And there's not a lot of face-to-face communication. But I will tell you that and encourage you in this way that It's not a website that teaches you to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a photograph sitting beside your hospital bed that encourages you and reads scripture to you. It's not a blog that prays for you in times of trial. So, face-to-face... Life-on-life discipleship is what makes and has the most impact in a person's life. And it helps us that life-on-life, face-to-face discipleship is what helps us to grow and to mature as Christians. So when we invest time into other people, we invest time in discipling them, we're not just discipling them, but essentially what we're doing is we're preparing them to mentor someone else. You're training someone 
so that they can, in turn, train someone else. That's the goal. Our discipleship, you know, we want to develop a culture here at Celtics where women are mentoring women. And that's just part of our culture. That is my dream, that this would be a real reality amongst the women of our church. And I see it happening already. And so I'm hoping that um, by sharing this material and giving you some footing in this, that we'll see this uh, develop even more so. Realizing that our discipleship um, it's may, with one individual, may just be for a season. The idea is that you don't just disciple them forever. You work with them for a season. But the idea is that you are establishing friendships. You're uh, making a relationship that will last for a lifetime. And then you're encouraging them to use the time that you spent with them to spend it with someone else, discipling them. You know, there are girls that I have discipled. And, um, you know, and this is back years ago. And, you know, I have, they're like my daughters. They're my spiritual daughters. I stay in contact with them. I love them. You know, we you know, if they have a problem, something that they're dealing with, they'll call me. Bertie, would you pray for me? This is what's happening in my life. I call them. And so you want to use this time, this, this 12 weeks that you're together, to develop that kind of a relationship that will last for your lifetime. Some 15 years ago, I put together this material for my own personal use. Uh, I needed, uh, you know, something to kind of keep me on track. And, uh, you know, so I, I put this together for myself. But in my quest to encourage other women, then I began sharing this material with others because I would have women that would come to me and say, you know, I would love to be a mentor. I would love to disciple other women, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know, you know, I, where do I start? Um, what Bible study do I choose? You know, how often do I meet with them? How long do I meet with them? And what if they ask me questions I don't know how to answer? You know, so there were a lot of questions. And so uh, I think this may be helpful to some of you in that regard as well. I will tell you that I think that it is best when discipling someone that you don't just jump into a random Bible study. Uh, after years of trial and error, I realized that it is important that you first lay the foundation. And so what I'm going to give you uh, today is that foundation, uh, th- that basic um, start. It is a starting place. Um, you know, and w- what I mean is you need to know whether the person that you are discipling, is, are they, is she indeed a believer? Uh, if she is a believer, is she equipped to share her faith? Uh, if she can't articulate her faith, then you need to teach her. I mean, how can we make disciples of others if we don't know how to share our faith? What are her habits in regard to the time that she spends with the Lord? In her quiet time, 
in her Bible study, in her meditating on the scripture. Those are things you need to find out so that you can help her to begin to establish some good habits. And then, what is her understanding of biblical womanhood? You know, what does she understand what the scripture teaches about being a godly woman? And if she doesn't, then this is what you want to teach her. This is the foundation. And once you have laid that foundation, then you can, it will help you and guide you as you move forward in determining her weaknesses and strength so that you can choose a Bible study that would be more fitting and be a more blessing to her. And so, as I said, this material is just a start. In your booklet, you will, you will see that on the first page there is an outline. Um, this is going to help you to know what your time together over the course of 12 weeks will look like. Now remember, this is just an outline. If you need to spend more time in a particular area or subject, that's okay. It's an outline, just some for, something for you to go by and to kind of gauge. Now, let's start talking about your first meeting. Later, before I, maybe on that third week, I want to talk to you about a more um, structured uh, form of discipleship that we're working on. And, but, so just kind of keep that in your mind. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But on your first meeting, this is more or less a meeting group. This is a time... Uh, when you're just going to use this to get to know each other. You need to get to know that person. You know you're going to find out some things about them, but you're also going to share some things about yourself. You know, get, find out some things about their family. Share some things about your family, their job, your job. Uh, what do they like to do in their spare time? Share things that you enjoy doing in your spare time. All of these things are going to help you over the course of this time, to build a relationship and to develop trust. Trust in each other. You see, people are more likely to open up to you and share their struggles when they trust you. And so, largely, what you're doing over the course of this 12 weeks is building that relationship and that level of trust with each other. Also re, uh, reminding you, in order to de- develop this trust, you've got to be able to hold in confidence what they say to you. You don't need to, to share that information with anybody else. That stays with you. And so um, that's important if you're going to, to, to develop a trust and, expe- and expecting her to uh, share with you. And then during your first meeting... You also want to begin to turn the conversation towards spiritual things. How much time, just ask, how much time do you spend uh, studying your Bible? How much time do you spend in prayer? Uh, you know, just, just, this is helping you uh, to diagnose some things and to see where she is at spiritually. Now, as a mentor, you can't be afraid to share some things about yourself. And I realize that being transparent in regard to your own life can be a little frightening. You know, to be an open book 
to others. But you will have more impact the more transparent that you are. Um, the de- a deeper impact in their lives. So you can't, you don't have to, I'm not saying that you need to just air all the, the dirt, your dirty laundry with people. No, but what I, what I am telling you is that you can't be afraid to talk to people about how God has changed you. That's what you want to talk about. You want to share the circumstances in your life that God has used to bring you where you are today. That's important. So on that first meeting, you need to be prepared to share how God has worked in your life. And then use this time also to, uh, to begin your prayer life uh, with one another, praying for one another. Ask her how you can pray for her, but also give her something that she can pray for you about as well so that you're praying for each other. And let her know on the first week, you want to let her know that the next week, the following week, you're going to share your personal testimony, how you came to know Christ as your Savior. And you want her to share her testimony, how she came to know Christ. You see, that's the bond. That's what draws you together. It's not, uh, you know, your social status, your age, anything. What drawing you together is your love for the Lord. And so you want to share how you came to know Christ and then have her share how she came to know Christ. And so what I just, you know, went over with you is just a basic summary of the first meeting. You, you don't want to go over an hour. I would suggest to you that you keep your sessions and your time together somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. Um, And then when and where do you meet? Well, I think that just depends. You know, uh, in my experience, it's just been different. One lady that uh, I uh, mentored, she had little kids, and so it was hard for her. And so I went to her house when her kids were taking a nap, and we, we talked during that time. Other ladies, we've met for coffee in the afternoon or maybe for lunch one day. It just looks different depending on the person that you're discipling. And so as the mentor, you need to figure that out and figure out a time uh, that works best and where uh, you can meet together. But also as the mentor, you are the one that's going to drive this meeting. You know, and so it's going to be left to you to, be, to uh, help her to stay consistent and to follow through all three, tw- all twelve weeks, you know, it's easy for us to make excuses and have things we've got to do or whatever. But as the mentor, you know, and there are always times when maybe you can't meet. There is sickness. There are things that come up, but you want to make sure that as as much as you can that you're staying on track and that um, you're following through with your commitment because. You need to make, there needs to be a commitment. You're making a commitment to her, and then she is making a commitment to you. And you're both making a commitment to God as you meet together for the purpose of growing and maturing in your faith. And so, um, you know, that's, that's just sort of the first meeting. And then um, you want to set up a time when you're going to meet the following week. And on week two, this is an extremely important week 
because this is the week that you're going to diagnose your disciples' spiritual condition. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, why do I need to do that? I mean, uh, isn't this going to be a little insulting? After all, she's a member of the church, and she's seeking discipleship, so of course she's a believer. What do, why do I need to, to dig into that? Never. Never make assumptions. Never. I can't tell you how many times that I have met with women and in the course of our time together realized that she was uncertain about her salvation experience. And so you're going to, uh, having her, you're going to share your faith, you're going to ask her to share her testimony. And in this, you are listening very carefully as to what she, who is she trusting in for her salvation? Um, how well can she articulate her faith? You know, um, I wouldn't have known uh, some of these things, uh, you know, and that the woman was uncertain about her salvation had I not probed into that and I had not dug deeper. And so I want to encourage you, don't just, you know, smooth over that. Make sure that, you, that she is indeed certain of her salvation. And, um, you know, there have been women that had a hard time verbalizing and so what I've done is have them write their testimony. And then we, after she has written it, then we go back through that and we look at what she has written and we talk about that. And it's because I want her, I want the lady that I'm working with to be confident, confident if she were to die, that she would open her eyes in heaven. That's important. That's important that she knows where she's going to spend eternity. And so, um, if um, the person that you are working with is confident in their salvation story, and they are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation, then you want to know that they are capable of sharing uh, the gospel with someone else. And so... um, Oftentimes, I will tell you probably eight out of ten times, women that I work with are confident and they have a good testimony, but they do not know how to share the gospel with someone else. And so in your training them to become a disciple, then you're training them also to learn how to share the gospel. And so that's going to be part of what you do over the 12 weeks. If they know, maybe the woman that you're with knows she's confident of her salvation, she has a great testimony, and she knows how to share the gospel. That's good. That's a thumbs up. You can move on, and you can do some other things in place of sharing, learning how to share the gospel. But if she cannot, I encourage you to teach her uh, how to do that. Um, And the reason why you want to be confident, you want her to be confident of her salvation is that there is nothing, nothing you're going to say to her that's going to make a difference in her life if she doesn't know Christ as her Savior. Nothing. And so um, that's important. Unless we have the Holy Spirit 
living within us, then we don't have the ability to change. We don't have the ability to grow and mature in Christ. We don't have the ability to bear fruit or produce evidence of our faith without the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And so uh, sometimes, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, have you ever tried to mentor someone or counsel someone and it just seemed like everything you said just went in one ear and out the other? It just didn't really make any, you know, have any impact uh, uh, on them at all. Well, um, you know, and they just didn't seem to have any real um, desire to change. Now, what they did have a desire to do was to come and tell you all their problems. And so you would listen to that week after week, but, you know, nothing you said really made a difference because they just wanted to talk about their problems, but they really didn't want to do anything about it to change. And so uh, what I've discovered in that is that many times it's because they themselves are not plugged in to the power source. In other words, they are without the Holy Spirit themselves and therefore they don't see the need or have the desire to change themselves. You see, it's easy for us to to uh you know uh you know find the fault in other people. But it's more difficult for us to look and examine in our own lives. And so that's what we want to do. You know, unbelievers oftentimes get themselves in a mess in their life. And uh, they have a desire to get out of the mess. Uh, They just don't want to face the reality of their situation or the consequences of their sin. Uh, So they may try to do better for a while, but oftentimes what you'll see is they'll find themselves right back where they started. Um, And it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit that indwells them and uh, convicts them and directs their lives. And so it's important, so important, right to the begin with, that you establish that with a person that you're counseling and that you're mentoring. And don't, uh, don't uh, you know, neglect doing that. Um, if you are certain that the, the woman that you're, a, uh, you're mentoring is indeed uh, a child of God, uh, then you, uh, but she can't share the gospel, then you want to be able to help her uh, to do that. Now, you can choose whatever method that, you know, maybe there's, maybe you have used the bridge illustration in sharing the gospel, and you're confident in that. Then use that if that's what you know. Uh, but, you know, I put in your outline a copy of the hand uh, illustration. And my, in my experience is that most people are visual learners. And if they have something they can see, like the hand illustration or the bridge illustration, that is helpful to them. It helps them to to be able to follow along with that, and it helps them to learn it quicker. So, and I put this in there so that you could have something to give them that you could work off of in learning how to share the gospel. So, over the course of 10 weeks, Uh, You're going to step-by-step help her to learn how to share her faith. And, you know, I would suggest maybe on this week, uh, starting with the five points of the gospel. That's all she has to know. Next week, I want you to tell me the five points of the gospel. Grace, man, God, 
Christ and faith. Just know that much. And then the next week, you want to add to it. Add the subpoints to it. For instance, heaven is a free gift. It's not something that we work for or deserve. Man is a sinner and can't save himself. God has a standard, and his standard is perfection. God loves us, but he also is just, and he must punish sin. God solved our problem, our sin problem, through the person of Jesus Christ. And saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone. And see, once she learns all of that, then you want to go back and plug in the verses that goes with it. You see, because what really has an impact in, person, in a person's life is God's word. So sharing the gospel without using God's word is sort of, mm. so you want her to be able to plug in the verses to this. And so over the next 10 weeks, little by little, she's working on this. And so the goal is by the 12th week, She's able to share the gospel, and if she needs to use her little diagram to do that, hey, that's okay. You know, a lot of times I, when I share this, I, I, um, Sandy and I did this the other day in, in a restaurant, and I didn't have a little paper, but I took the napkin, and I traced my hand on the napkin, and then I wrote the, the five points of the gospel, and I gave it to her, and I said, I want you to learn this this week and be able to tell me next week. You see, so it's just helpful. It, help, it helps you, and it helps them to have some sort of a visual uh, to use. So, um, you know, uh, I'm going to share with you very quickly the hand illustration all the way through. And I want to show you that they can be able to share the gospel in about five minutes and you see that's and you can add more to this uh, if you would like, but you want to they at least need to be able to share the gospel in just a simple, concise way. And so, if I were sharing the gospel using the hand illustration, I would start with the the fact that the scripture says that heaven is a free gift. It's not something that we work for or that we deserve. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, what we really deserve is hell. That's what we deserve because of our sin. But the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. It is not our, of ourselves. It is a gift of God. God gives us the gift of eternal life. It's not by works so that no one can boast. You see, if I could do something to earn my way to heaven, if I could come to church enough or, uh, you know, give enough money to the church, you know, that could, I could go around bragging about it. I could say, you know, I've, I hadn't missed church in five years. I know I'm going to heaven. I've given thousands of dollars to that church. I know I'm going to heaven. You see, it's nothing we can brag about. There's nothing we can do at all to earn our way to heaven. But what keeps us from going to heaven it's our sin. Man is a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. We're all guilty. You know, the only way we could save ourselves is by being perfect. The Bible says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, I don't know about you, but that would me out. You know, God has a standard, and his standard is perfection might say, well, why does he want perfection? Because he is perfect. And he sets the standard. You see, God loves us, 
But the Bible tells us that God is also just, and he must punish our sin. You see, we have a problem, and our problem is our sin. But God solved our problem in the most amazing way through the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know who you understand Jesus to be, but the Bible tells us that Jesus was totally man, but he was also totally God. He says in the scripture, in the beginning was, I'm sorry, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You know, that word is capitalized. It's actually a, a proper noun. It's talking about a person, and the person it's talking So you could say it like this. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was God. And he is God. And you go on a little further down, and it says, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We just celebrated that in Christmas. You see, the Bible also says that on him was laid the iniquity of us all. You see, he came for the purpose of handling our sin problem. How did he do that? He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And he's in heaven now offering us the gift of eternal life. Well, how do we get it? By faith. By faith. But what is faith? Let's talk about what faith isn't. Faith is just not knowing about God in your head. The devil knows about God in his head, and he's not going to be there. It's not just saying prayers, you know, asking God to, you know, help me with my finances or whatever. That's not faith. Faith is putting our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. You know, the Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. That just means that we have to agree with God about our sin problem. We're agreeing with God. And we're asking him to forgive us and come into our life as Lord of our life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. See, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. If you can can share that much of the gospel, you can lead someone to Christ. And so I encourage you, everything I pretty much said was right there on that outline. And so you can work through that and learn to share the gospel little by little, week by week. And, uh, you know, you can even do this together. You can do it together with your mentor. Even if you are struggling with uh, sharing your faith, work on it together. You know, also, if she can share the gospel very well and that's not something that you need to really work on because she knows how to do that, then I would encourage you to pick or choose a passage of Scripture that you can memorize together. Maybe pick one you don't know. So you've got to work on it too. And uh, I, I, several years ago, uh, Dana Bickley and I, I mentored her and we picked the Paul's prayer in Ephesians, starting like verse 15 or something like that of chapter 1 in Ephesians. And so we memorized that prayer together. So every time we met, we had to know 
uh, so many verses of it, you know, and so I would tell her and she would tell me, you know, so we helped each other accountable in, in that of Scripture. Now, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You're doing this because you want to teach her how to carve out time in her day for the Lord and help her to develop some habits of spending time with the Lord. And, you know, oftentimes we neglect that. And so that helps us, and it also helps her. Now, habits. Spending time with the Lord and taking that time out is a habit. You know, know, they say that to develop a habit, it takes 21 days. If you do something every day consistently for 21 days, that you will develop a habit. So that's what you want to do. You want to try to help her to to develop a habit of spending some time each day with the Lord. If it's just spending some time and some quiet time, meditating on some scripture, um, you know, I I don't, you know, in my own personal life, I, I don't actually study every day. I try to carve out time that with the Lord where I can, um, I'm reading some scripture and some prayer time, but then I also try to carve out time maybe once or twice a week when I actually study. I dig into the Word, and I spend a little bit more time studying. And so I don't do that. I don't spend an hour every day studying, no. But I do try to carve out that much time a couple of times during the week. And it it looks different for everyone. But the idea is to help her to develop and to uh, spend time with the Lord and make that a priority in her life. So... That's the purpose of this. And then before you leave, uh, on this second meeting, you want to assign her some homework. You see, it's in the homework where things, where the rubber meets the road, really. It's in the homework. You know, if she don't do her homework, then um, you're sort of spinning your wheels, aren't you? You see, then you're seeing, is she really carving out some time with the Lord or not? You see, how important is this really to her? You'll begin to start seeing those, seeing some patterns there. You will assign her to read, just read through the book of Titus. And um, before you leave, uh, have prayer time again. Pray for one another. Ask her how you can pray for her and give her something in your life that she can pray for, uh, a need that you have. So that'll be week two. So we've gone through week one and week two. Does anybody have any questions thus far about um, anything that I've said in your meetings together so far? You understand why it's important that you first, you've got to get to know each other, you've got to start building that trust, but then you've got to determine and, and you want her to be confident of her salvation. That's important. And then you want her to begin to be able to share her faith. Uh, Tara, would you take that mic back there to, to Rivka? And I have a. I want you to use the mic for number one, we're recording this. And number two, I'm very hard of hearing. And so I cannot hear you if you don't use the mic. Hey there. Um, I'm curious, you had mentioned you only study uh, like for an hour twice a week. 
Can you just share with us for our sake and also as we mentor others, what each day looks like for you in terms of spending time with the Lord? Um, I think, you know, it looks different for each person. You know, everybody's life. You know, when I taught school, um, I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I I had to be standing on curb at duty at 7.30 in the morning. You know, so my, my time looked a lot different than it does now. Now... You don't have anywhere to go. Uh, so, you know, I, it just, my time is different. So I have more time, you know, t- to spend with the Lord. I'm in a different season of my life and a different time of my life. So I don't think, you know, that, you know, it, we have to be so uh, rigid that it's legalistic about the amount of time that we spend. It's just the idea and the, that we are spending time. And that we're not neglecting our time with the Lord. Did I hear that all correctly? So I think maybe what she wanted to to know is dividing up. Because some days you study, Mm -hmm. right? So some Mm -hmm. days you actually kind of dive in for teaching purposes Mm -hmm. or for your mentoring purposes. Mm -hmm. But other days it might just be reviewing some note cards for scripture memory. Yes. Or one day it might be. You know, I love to get up in the morning and I... After I'm a coffee drinker, so I make my coffee, and I sit. I have a certain place where I sit at the table so I can look out the window, you know, and I will try to, you know, just open my Bible, and I'm just, uh, I'm a little, um, I, I have used devotionals in the past. I'm a little leery about that because uh, I think you need to be careful on who, what devotional that you're using and who you're following in a devotional. You know, for instance, Pastor Chris has that little booklet back there that I think is great, but, you know, just ordering things offline and stuff like that, I think you need to be kind of careful about. But, you know, so you can use something like that if that helps you to guide you. Or you can just read through uh, the Psalms or, you know, just uh, something that starts your day. I know when I worked... I had a 30-minute drive from my house to my school, and I loved that because it was time for me to prepare my mind as I was getting to work. You know, it was time for me on that drive to pray. To pray, you know, as a school teacher, those of you who teach school, you know, that can be a very taxing job. And so, you know, I wanted to prepare my mind as I was traveling to school so that I would... I would pray for my students, you know, some of those kiddos that would can really get on the last nerve. You know, you want to pray for them in the morning. I prayed that God would work in their heart that day, and he would also give me patience, and that, that I would be able to show a heart of love as I worked with them that day. It just seemed to make a difference in my day. Um, but then... You know, as far as I'm preparing for studies and and for teaching, usually one day a week, usually on Thursday nights, a lot of times I would spend two or three hours on Thursday nights studying and digging into Scripture. And so, you know, I, I think it just looks different for every person, but the idea that you are putting Christ at the center of your life. You're making him a priority in your life. It's easy to get so caught up in your family life with your children and all the thing, all your the things you've got going on that you will neglect your time with the Lord. And that's what you don't want to do.
Anything else? Oh, uh, Leah. Mm -hmm. that you're being consistent with until you get to the end of the book. Right. Okay? With your concordance and mm -hmm. with your study materials and your study resources. Right. And then another day, you may be, the thing that you did every day as far as your prayer life mm -hmm. and as your job was concerned, you did that every day when you drove to school. Right. Okay? Uh, but then other times when you were prompted to pray about certain things mm -hmm. because of a phone call you right. from somebody, or somebody in your own family was right. ill, or you weren't feeling well, or you were dealing with right. certain things, then that would come up a certain day. Right. Not necessarily every day. Exactly. Okay. So each day could be different. Yes. But then each day there could be consistent things. That's true. Okay. That's true. That's true. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that, Leah. You're right. You know. All right. Well, we'll... Uh, continue on we'll look uh ooh, we're almost out of time how in the world am i gonna get um all right um so that was week three and then we're going to uh, move on to week four now this is where um you're going to begin in your bible study uh, and so you'll see in your booklet there are some handouts handout for weeks four through twelve and so if you'll just turn to week four's handout, this is the handout that you're going to give to your disciple on that fourth week. And hopefully when you meet on the fourth week, your disciple your mentor, person that you're mentoring has read through the book of Titus and, you're, and they're ready to begin this study. And so this is where you're going to begin teaching the principles of biblical womanhood. The book of Titus paints a very clear picture of what a godly woman looks like. Um, and I, 18 years ago, I was reminded when I talked to her the other day that it was 18 years. 18 years ago, there was a woman in our church whose marriage was in shambles. Uh, God placed a burden on my heart for her. I, 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 I really didn't want to get involved at all. But God just kept burdening my heart with this young woman. And so, long story short, on a Sunday evening... Um, right after church, her and her husband would normally come in and sit in the back, and as soon as church was over, they left. But I made a beeline to make sure that I caught her. And I asked her if she would like to meet for coffee one day. Well, I was kind of surprised, but she said yes. And I had no idea, no idea what I was going to say to her when we met for coffee. In fact, I was real nervous about it because I thought, you know, she's going to just think I'm trying to get in her business and all, and, and I didn't want her to think that. Um, so we, we did. We met for coffee, and um, we ordered our coffee, and we sat down at the table, and we kind of chit-chatted a little bit, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to ask her, you know, uh, what she wants to do. And, you know, I was just, like I said, I was nervous as a cat about it anyway, and I've never really mentored anybody, you know, like this before. And so, but uh, um, anyway, so I, I just asked her, I said, well, you know, what would you like to do? And uh, would you like to do a Bible study or, you know, what? And uh, without hesitation... 
she looked at me right into my eyes. Tears welling up in her eyes, flowing down her face. And she said to me, I want to be a godly woman. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but if you knew the circumstances, you would understand the impact that that had. I just thought to myself, wow, okay. And I was thinking, how am I going to go about that? So, I went home, and I just began pouring through the scriptures and praying and asked God, show me what to say. Show me how to deal with this. Show me how to teach her to be a godly woman. Um, Help me to be a godly woman. Um, Long story short, we met together for over a year and a half, probably close to two years. We spent time going through Titus 2, and then we spent many, many months studying through K. Arthur's study, A Marriage Without Regrets. I could, as we went through this study, I began to see her strengths and her weaknesses. This helped me to be able to direct her and guide her. Over the course of the year, though, I will tell you, God did an amazing work in my life. He changed me. He helped me to discover truth. He gave me the desire to biblically and practically address the mandate of women mentoring women. I began to understand the need and and the blessing that comes along when you when you come alongside someone and help them to grow and help them to walk in the way of the Lord. So we're going to start with Titus because that's where we started. And I think this will, this will help you as you move into thinking about further study with, with Bible study. This is going to help you in knowing where she needs the most help. So, um, okay. um, it's important that when you're studying a book of the Bible, and you might want to take some notes here so that you can remember, or if you don't already know, um, that when you're studying a book of, Bible, of the Bible, that you understand the context and the background information of that book. And so you want to give her the background information for the book of Titus before you start. So in the fourth week that you meet, you're going to do that. Uh, This is going to help set the stage uh, for your study. Now, the book of Titus is a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul sent to a young pastor named Titus. And it's very clear that Paul considered Titus to be one of his dearest companions. Paul was Titus's mentor. Paul was older than Titus. It's believed, most scholars believe, that Titus was from Antioch. 
And in the uh, 11th chapter of Acts, that is where we find that the people at the church of Antioch, Antioch were first called Christians. And it's believed that Titus was one of, part of that group. There are 13 references to Titus in the books of 1 Corinthians and Galatians. We know that Titus traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. We also know that Paul and Titus traveled to the island of Crete. They went there to spread the gospel. Once they were there and after a time, Paul leaves. And he left Titus there on the island to organize the churches there on the island of Crete. And then after Paul leaves, and he's gone for a while, he sends Titus a letter. And this is the letter that he sends to Titus to encourage him and to assist him in the task that he's left for him to do. And this is what Titus, this is what Paul instructs Titus to do. And you'll find this in the first chapter. He instructs Titus to appoint elders at the church because that's going to help with the leadership of the church. And then the second thing he tells him to do is that he needs to set in order the things that we're wanting. He's going to set things straight as far as their philosophy and their doctrine and how they're going about things. How's he going to do this? How is he going to set things in order? Well, in the second chapter, Paul tells him exactly how he's going to do it. He says, you're going to do this by teaching sound doctrine. You're going to teach what is healthy and what is good. And you're going to teach it to various groups within the church. You're going to teach it to the older men, the, younger, the older women, the young women, the young men, and to the servants. You're going to teach the older men, and the older men is going to teach the younger men. You're going to teach the older women, and they're going to teach the younger women. See, he lays it all out, just how it's all going to be done. So I want you to very quickly, we don't have a lot of time left, but I want you to turn in your Bible to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. In Titus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, see, they're supposed to have the same thing that the men are, but also, likewise, they're to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Why? So that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husband. Why? So that the word of God will not be dishonored. See, he, he, he gives them very detailed instructions. Now, we're going to concentrate in our study on verses 3 through 5. Let's talk, let's, we're going to first begin, and we'll spend a couple of weeks on this, but we're going to talk about the older woman. You see, that's the woman all of us should be striving to become. We're all going to be an old lady one day. I'm already there. You see, when you're 25, you don't think about being an old lady, but you're going to be, a, if you live long enough, you're going to be an old lady. And that is the woman that all of us, no matter what our age, should be striving to become. It's that older woman. Now, what is, what does that older woman look like? Well, 
Paul tells us, what are the characteristics of this older woman? She's to be reverent in her behavior. She's not to be a malicious gossip. Not addicted to much wine. She is to teach what is good. And she's to encourage the young woman, the younger women. That's the characteristics of the woman that we all should be striving to become or to be in our life. And so we're going to walk through these characteristics, each one of these correct characteristics. So we're clear about what Paul is talking about when he talks about being reverent in our behavior and not a malicious gossip and addicted to wine. Or what, it, what is it we're going to teach? We're going to talk about that. So this week and week four, uh, you want to go over your homework sheet because if you see on your um, uh, handout, there's homework. That, again, is helping her to develop uh, these habits of spending time with the Lord. Um, and so make sure you've gone on that. You're teaching her to develop habits. And so in Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says that we must train ourselves for the purpose of being godly. And that's what you're doing. You're trying to help her to train herself to be godly. And so um, you want to always do that at the end of each time is, and is review and make sure she's clear on what, she's, what her work is for that week. All right, I think our time is about up. I was going to go as far as I could. I couldn't go as quite as far as I thought I could, but uh, we'll, we'll stop right there because it, uh, it is 10 o'clock. I, I hope that if you have questions, write those down, and when we start next, uh, next Sunday, I'll take those questions, and maybe hopefully we can uh, answer those for you. Yes, yes, it will be. And there's some, a few extra copies back there. Erin said that... Yes, yes. And pre- now, I don't know if it's on there yet, but um, they were supposed to put it on there so that you could make copies uh, yourself. And that was the purpose. If you were mentoring someone and you needed these handouts, you would be able to go online and make those copies and, and hand them out. So we will get that if it's not already. So... And then if you, is there anybody that did not get a handout today? There's a couple back there, but I think Erin will make some more copies so that we can also have some in the book nook as well. All right, well, let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of the ladies that was here today. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us a burning desire in our heart for our other women, that we would demonstrate our love for each other by encouraging each each other and um, helping them and uh, encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. Lord, I, I know that just in my own life what a blessing this has been to me, and I would pray that we would begin to see this in our church as a culture of women coming alongside other women and discipling them and helping them uh, as they live life so that we could live our life in a way that would honor and glorify you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right.